You are listening to UBC Waco Podcast. <laughs> are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can use that as just a scratch track for now. Good morning. Welcome to University Baptist Church. If you're always here, we're glad you're here. If you're a visitor today, we're glad you're here too. This is the second week of Advent when we embrace, wrangle, try and make sense of the theme of peace. Um, one, well, actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to narrate the state of the world in a way that's probably pretty obvious, all in service of announcement that I'm going to make that I think is exciting. Uh, so we're, uh, what, week, uh, month 21 of the pandemic, um, and, and our behaviors are such now, I, I got a booster two days ago, uh, you know, I, I wear my mask at this point very idiosyncratically, if I'm honest. Um, if I remember it, great. If I don't, I don't. Uh, I, the news in South Africa is that the Omicron is is a lot to, to be reckoned with, and now it's in, what, nine states, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all that to say, um, one, as I mentioned last week, we're growing very weary, uh, but two, nonetheless, this is still here, and, and, um, and we're going to continue to take this seriously. That being said, next week is the Joy Week of Advent, and um, this is our contribution to the state of the affairs in the world. We are going to bring back next week, perhaps uh, forevermore, I don't know, we'll see how it goes, coffee. So... Um, yeah. So uh, joy should fill your heart, you know. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons people come to church is our good coffee, and I'm not offended by that anymore. It just is. Um, here's what we're going to ask of you. We just have one rule, and the reason we've delayed for so long is because it, it just, the reality is it's impossible to please. As we just took communion, we slipped down our masks. The one piece of data we're still just really hanging on to is the, uh, the aerosol spray and singing in particular. So, you know, inevitably, people are going to walk into here, you're going to sit down, you're going to have your coffee, you're going to be nursing that thing for as long as you can, you might get refills because you're so excited, whatever it is. Um, we just ask that you make one commitment. If you have your mask off, you don't sing. Um, and if, if you want to put it back on to sing and take it back off uh, in a different song, whatever you do, that's just the only rule. At the end of the day, I can't, I can't please that, I'm gonna, but ask that in giving the gift back of coffee that you do your best to honor that move on our behalf and We'll, we'll go from there. The other reason, just, you know, a little plug here, if you, you really get joy from the coffee, is that um, part of the reason I've also been worried to bring it back is because it takes a volunteer base. Um, Ron Miller, God bless him, has volunteered to do both ends of that for me this coming week, and he likes it, so special kind of winner in the Lord there. But um, also, um, you know, if you really like it, and you're like, gosh, I wish this happened all the time, maybe let me know, and uh, I'll put you down on the volunteer base, and we can do that full time. So, joy, coffee, I hope you feel a little glee in your heart. Maybe use that um, star emoji this week when you, you text your friends and tell them to come to church. So there that is. Okay. Whew. Joy. Um, meanwhile, in peace, uh, grew up in Tomahawk, Wisconsin. My brother, when I was like eight-ish, had a job at Northwood's Video Store. Uh, Blockbuster really had no interest in franchising in a small town like ours. So Blockbuster was a decent job. You know, this is where kids would gather on Fridays and whatnot. It's kind of like the mall in a place that didn't have a mall. And um, I don't know if you know this, everything's digital now. Before that, it was all on DVD. We remember that. But some of you maybe don't know. It was on VHS tapes. One of the big benefits of working at Northwoods Video is that um, employees were allowed to bring home, one at a time, one non-new release video. My brother, uh, with a kind of zealot religious fidelity, would only ever bring home one video, the same video, every week of his life. And that was U2's Rattle and Hum, which if you've never seen it, is, it's not a concert. There's different, the, the whole thing, right? Even the album is, is produced the same way. It's different songs from shows, but it's really kind of a memoirish, you know? 
Uh, it came on the heels of, of the Joshua Tree in, in 1987, which is probably their best album. But um, my point is this. My brother would get home at like 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and um, he would put a tombstone pepperoni pizza into the oven, and then he would, um, he would get a Coca-Cola Classic, and then he would, he would go to the, li- the living room to watch uh, this video. And um, I, was, I was in bed, of course, because I was a youngster. But what I would do is I would, I would crawl out like a snake on my belly, to the, the uh, balcony of our house, and I would cheat, and I would, I would look over, and I'd watch this video. I, we, our house went up on Zillow uh, recently. This is a childhood home I grew up in. See that balcony there? That's my bedroom in the background. I would come out of there, and I would just peer, and, and Bono would begin the same way every single time. I was like a cue. Charles Manson stole the song from the Beatles, and now we're stealing it back. When you get to the bottom, you go back to the top of the slide till it turns to me, Anybody? Helter Skelter? Beatles? Thanks, Greg. It's lonely up here today. Um... <laughs> And I would just, I would be taken with this. Uh, as I said, this, this really will, played second fiddle to, to the Joshua tree. Um, but this planted a seed in my heart that I grew up as a big U2 fan. So a few years ago, see if I do the math, I can figure this out. 2017, uh, U2 did the 30-year uh, in honor of Joshua tree uh, album tour. And I've never heard like the last six songs from that album played live in my life. So I saw this, I called up my siblings like, this is it, this is our moment. We're all going to fly across the country and meet somewhere and go to the show. They said no, um, that didn't happen. Uh, it was, you know, money, kids, whatever. So I had all but forgotten about this until the, the day of the show in Dallas, or the day before, and I get a text from my friend Shay, who went to UBC in undergrad. He's like, hey, um, I have two tickets for you two tomorrow night, um, but my wife is in her first trimester. And she's not feeling well. Do you want to go? And I had... Uh, Two, two thoughts, which was one, oh, oh, heck yes, I want to go. And the second is, thank God for morning sickness. Um, so I drive to Dallas, meet my buddy. We have dinner. We go to the show. I've been to a few YouTube shows before this, like two or three. And uh, some great openers, Damian Marley, Muse. I say great openers. I have no idea who those people are. Um, but um, I know that in terms of openers, U2 gets good ones because they're a big deal. So I don't even know who the opener is. We walk in, we sit down, I still don't know. And out walks the Lumineers. Well, hey ho, what a great deal. Uh, don't tell anybody, but I almost like them better than you too. They played such a good show. My point is this, great bands need great openers. Um, this is true of so many things. I grew up loving, embracing the WWF. It's had a few name changes since then. Um, kind of a bummer for my parents. You can't win with every child. Uh, my sister would use her babysitting money to like make donations to NPR and read to Anne Green Gables. I watched WWF and drank Mountain Dew, right? Um, you know, Amelia Estevez and Charlie Sheen came from the same parents. I'm sorry, Mom. Um, so one day, though, God bless my, my parents. Now that I've done Coco Melon and I've done Thomas the Tramp, I've done all the things, and you, you endure things as a parent. It's just what you do. My dad came home, and what he had were three tickets for the WWF and the Stevens Point Fieldhouse. And he said, son, I want you and me to go this and you can take a friend. I couldn't believe it. It was like the most riveting thing my parents had ever given me. So we go and the main show is Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, carries a two by four, very pro USA versus Sergeant Slaughter, who had just recently defected as a traitor to the United States of America. It's fresh on the heels of the Cold War. This is a very big deal. Um, so we get there. I'm very excited to see this, but you know what we had to do? We had to endure an hour and a half of wrestling of lesser figures 
before we could see this matchup. And so I saw Tito Santana and Coco Beware and Superfly Jimmy Snuka and Erwin R. Scheister, the tax man, all wrestle. And why? Because you need a good opener. All the greats have them. So when God came to take away the sins of the world, God sent an opening act to accompany him. God gave us John the Baptist. And this is what our story is in Advent week two. God is sending someone to prepare the way. Um, When you were a kid, and really into your teen years, and I suppose after that, you get a lot of, I guess, uh, really great unsolicited advice. Uh, Old people just dying to tell you how smart they are and wise and want to pass along this information. And and most of these are cliche and predictable. Um, Now, here's the big bummer. I have found that as I have gotten older, I have started to say all these same things. Um, and, and, you know, um, what I'm conscious of is, is even and now have emotional memory of is um, what these were like. And, and even though it's cliche, I still do it. And the reason I do it is most of the time I just don't have anything better to say. Um, what people should really tell you when you're a kid is enjoy your emotional instability because when it finally levels out, your favorite things are going to be like coupons and naps, you know? Um, like a lot of people will say, I hate small talk. Um, I think small talk is very underrated. Uh, you know how many times I've gotten to avoid intimacy and, and other things because of small talk? Um, you know, this is why we have weather. God could have designed the world so it was 70 and perfect every day, uh, but we wouldn't have anything to talk about. Yes, it's going to be cold again tomorrow. That's a very important rhetorical move in a conversation, verifying that. Uh, the, the emotional satisfaction I get out of comparing whatever the weather is currently doing to that summer of 2011 it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, everybody's dogging on climate change. This is a bit of a rabbit trail, I'm sorry. Um, it is bad, and it is, but um, at least you have some fodder for your spouse's Christmas party, right? Like you're on your third old-fashioned, you've been there 38 minutes, you, you head to the food table, and um, you run into to Alan from accounting, and, and what do you ask him for, a meatball? No, you're going to say, how's the polar vortex going, right? Um, all this to say, of all the cliches I might utilize, uh, the best unsolicited advice I've ever gotten this is um, time goes fast. That's it. That's the big one. Time goes fast. Uh, Didn't used to be cliche for me, um, but then I I saw this thing on the internet and I got at least a kind of, if not scientific, experimental explanation of of time and and our perception of it. Um, You are are very smart. You probably already know this, but I'm going to show it to you because it's it's what I've learned. The Austrian, Austrian designer... Max Kinnear came up with this interactive visualization, and, and the website is great. You can click through it, but maybe we'll put that in the social medias this week. But I've, I've taken some screenshots to make the point. The theory was first put forth in 1897 by Paul Jeanette, and it goes something like this. Uh, when you were one years old, zero to one, that is 100% of your life, right? When you go from one to two, that is now 50% of your lived experience when compared to everything in your past. When you're two to three, that's the third year of your life. It's one third of your lived experience. Do you follow? So I'm 40. I'll be 41 in July. When this year is done, this year will have comprised 2.44% of the total of my life. Um, What's interesting about this theory is not just what we know about our experience of time objectively, but also subjectively. So let's go back to year two. Your second year of your life, again, is objectively 50% of your lived experience, but it feels like one-third, and this is the mind-bender, because that year feels 50% shorter than the previous year, so taken as a whole, it feels like a third, if you can do that in your head. So the theory states that in terms of perception, a child's experience half of his or her life by the time he or she is seven years old. 
parents, it's really important to spend time with your kids when they're little, it matters. Uh, let me give you a concrete example. Let's say on December 1st, you tell a five-year-old that it's just 24 days to Christmas. Be patient, right? And, and as an adult, what do you have? You have Christmas parties, you have every living moment of your life booked up, especially in December, the year's ending, work's pouring in. Um, those 24 days for a five-year-old by percentage have the same experiential waiting time as an entire year for a 54-year-old. Time goes fast, and then it goes faster, and it goes faster. Now, at least here in the 21st century, we have all kinds of devices to measure time for us. I have an iPhone, which is constantly reminding me of the time. I have a calendar on my computer that sends me prompts and makes sure that I'm at meetings. Um, if you live near or have ever visited Baylor's campus, you know that there's bells that will go off periodically that let you know what time it is. So though it's going fast, at least we have reminders that give us a sense of the fleeting nature of time. But imagine you're in the ancient Near East. What do you have? You have sundials instead of watches. You have a system of stars that you learn to read instead of calendars. If you lived in a world without time, how would you make sense of time? Well, I suspect the way you would do it is relationally. Um, instead of saying, like, on December 5th, 2021, I heard one of the best sermons in my life that Josh preached at UBC, you would say, sometime during Biden's first term, I heard this really great sermon at UBC. I love trivia. I'm on jet punk frequently. It's not wildly different than Sporkle. You can put in your favorite topic, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, the Packers, whatever, and it'll just give you quizzes about these things. And so I do this when I have breaks. It's kind of a mental exercise. Um, here's what I've learned. If you just asked me at random who won the Super Bowl in 2011, I couldn't draw that up. But what I could do is think about how many children I had in 2011. I could think about where I was in my work life, and I could do kind of the, the algebra of, of life events and eventually get back to where I was in 2011. And remember, oh, yes, in 2011, the Packers won the Super Bowl, and I was at my brother's house, and I remember that. I, I remember relationally. So if you have some very large news, the kind of news that could change history, uh, you would want to make sure that everyone knew what you were talking about. And the way to mark that moment in history would be to name some people in power. Because everybody can remember what it was like when Tiberius was the Caesar of the empire. And everybody remembers what it was like when Pilate was running things in Judea. And everybody remembers what it was like when Herod was the puppet king in Galilee. When all these people were in power, the word of God came to John. Um, on two occasions in my life, I've gone to this preacher conference called the Festival of Homiletics. Uh, it's just about the nerdiest thing you've ever imagined. It's worse than Comic-Con. Um, you fill a hallway with pastors and Christian celebrities, folks with PhDs and preaching, whatever that'll do for you. And, and the conversation's like, wow, that sermon was great. I love what she did with verse 13. The exegesis was unreal. You know, that conference exists. So I just imagine, here's the who's who in the Festival of Homiletics 2022. We're all gathered to hear about this amazing hotshot young preacher who has a, a tent revival down by the Colorado River in the desert of Arizona. And John the Baptist takes the stage. And what would he say to this group of people? You awful bouquet of turds. You brood of vipers. You pretend to think that your ordinations matter to God. Do you think anybody cares about your seminary diplomas? John is a piercing voice, one that cries out in the desert. John is also an enigma to me. He gets substantial fanfare in our Christmas stories, along with Mary the disciples and the feeding of the 5,000 He's one of these rare omnipresent figures aside from Jesus himself. Um, he reminds me a lot between a cross of 
Gary Busey and Neville Longbottom. Um, he dresses, he talks, and he eats like a crazy person, and he's, he's prophesied about, but in the end plays second fiddle to the main character who dies and comes back to life. Um, John the Baptist, I think, is an Enneagram 5 who's moved to aid in health. He's very detached, but kind of revolutionary. So he's out in the desert, and like all good Baptists, he's doing his own thing because nobody had thought of it before. And he's got a message that has a few parts, but the one that we pay attention to during Advent is this, prepare the way. We do, I think, a lot of preparing instinctively. It's part of being human. I'm doing a wedding in two weeks, and so what have we done to get ready? We've done premarital counseling. Um, we'll do a rehearsal. I'll prepare a liturgy. This couple has spent time praying and planning for a wedding. You know how it goes. Or you get a positive pregnancy test. What do you do? You get, you get cribs. You get car seats. You get Lamaze classes. You have OB appointments, ultrasounds. You get the last few good nights of sleep of your life. We prepare for vacations and transitions and moves. We prepare for parties. We prepare for the beginning of the school year. Sometimes we're even evolved enough to prepare for death. But do we prepare to receive Christ back into our lives at the beginning of the church year? This practice, this routine that the church calendar asks of us, I think it's a good one. Uh, my wife is good at preparing. We just had our Christmas pictures taken and... Um, Without fail, I tend to have one of the worst wardrobe collections in McLennan County. Uh, I really like neon colors, and I like loose baggy clothes, uh, which won't cut it for the Christmas card pictures. So this year, though, she's like, hey, uh, what do you feel handsome in? I coordinated my sermon illustration. I said, this vest. It's the only thing I got. She's like, okay, we're going to go with that. And so what does she do? She goes to like 37 stores and puts together outfits for six kids and herself. And we get our pictures taken. And we're like an Old Navy commercial. We're prepared. Or there's our vacations. Our summer vacations are usually a doozy. My wife's a teacher. She has her summer off. I save up my time. Two summers ago, we went uh, five national parks up to Maine, over to Wisconsin down. Uh, this summer, we did six national parks up to Washington, over to Wisconsin, and down. And um, this is a really difficult thing to, to get ready for seven people, uh, six kids and, and, and herself. She'll like, and, and we have two foster kids, and so you have to submit the places we're staying every, uh, before we leave, months before, to get in front of a judge to get improved. You know, so it's a lot of work, outfits and, and food and all these things. And me, like, I spend about 20 minutes the night before packing to get ready. And so inevitably there's this reality that occurs in, in our, our trips um, and for like three weeks, I say, oh man, I forgot. And then before I finish my sentence, my wife says, I got it. And they're like, we'll be in North Dakota looking at the Buffalo Roam. And I'm like, wouldn't it be great if we had some binoculars? She's like, I got it. And she hands it to me. Or we'll be in Seattle and it starts raining. I'm like, ah, oh, of course, we should have brought umbrellas. She's like, got them. Everybody's color coordinated, names embroidered on them. Or we'll be in Glacier and there's a rock slide. And I'm like, we're going to wait for hours. Too bad we didn't have a bazooka. She's like, hold on. She goes, you know, she's just always ready for whatever, whatever happens. It's astounding. We are, I was going to say in the precipice, but really in the holiday season, um, shopping to do, recitals to go to, parties to attend, Christmas cards to send. And then it's December 26th, and you think, where did the time go? It doesn't happen to my wife on her vacations because she's prepared. Preparation matters. Are we prepared to receive Jesus again this year? Um, the images that John offers us, I think, are interesting. Mountains pouring into valleys. Crooked paths made straight, rough things made smooth. Um, I know firsthand the advantage of smooth things. 
uh, as I just alluded to, we do vacations every summer, every other winter. One year we went up to Hot Springs, kind of a waste of time, but uh, you got to check it off your list. Uh, but then we were going north to Branson because why not? Never been there. And I'm like, I'm just going to go north. Well, didn't map that out, but we ended up in the Wachita Mountains, which were stunning. If you've never been there, Arkansas, a big uh, check plus on my thing after that trip. But um, it's kind of like a roller coaster, you know, up through the mountain, through the woods, the grandmother's house we go. And we're doing this, and I don't know if you know this, we drive a 12-passenger van, kind of like Babe the Blue Ox. And um, it's great, and it fits a lot of people in it, but it's, you know, a little hard to handle on the edge of mountain cliffs. So we're doing this, and I'm feeling good about it. I'm like, this is definitely worth it. Um, because what's the other option? The other option is Highway 35. And I don't mean to pick on your state because Wisconsin's not much better, but if you ever do Oklahoma, Kansas, the northwest corner of Missouri, Iowa, God help us, and then uh, eventually Minnesota, the southern part, it's really just depressing. I'll tell you all the things that are more exciting than that trip, like paint drying, uh, grass growing, uh, lifetime movie shows, um, the the sport of curling, all better than that. And so... um, we're on this trip in the Wachita Mountains, and um, then it starts pouring rain, and the lightning feels like it's not far from our car because we're elevated, and I'm in this massive van, and after like three hours of just this cortisol pumping through my body with sheer anxiety, I really just wanted something straight, and I took bad every bad thing I'd ever said about Highway 35, and I just wanted some high fructose corn syrup straight roads through Iowa, um, but that's how it goes, Right? It's interesting to me that John the Baptist is always featured in week two of Advent. Uh, It's the peace week. And it seems to me that the theme of peace couldn't be paired with a less peaceable person than John. Um, But maybe that's just right. Perhaps it's only after we hear the hard word to repent, to turn away from our ways, that we can prepare to receive God yet again to make paths straight, to prepare the roadways for God to move toward you, to make them smooth. I'm a Enneagram 3. Spent a lot of time regressed in that nine space. Really don't like conflict. But I've just had to come to learn that there's just a kind of unhealth that can exist in us if we don't move through hard conversations and say hard things and get better. Uh, Racism. It's not two sides to that one, right? You have to have the hard conversations. And so sometimes it takes a confrontational voice like John to uh, help us find our voice and to move towards peace. Um, I've made this discovery about myself in the last few years. Uh, There's a pretty direct relationship between how confrontational I'm willing to be with someone and how much I love them. My dentist, we never fight. My wife and I, we've enacted scenes from that Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson movie, Marriage Story. Uh, And here's what I've discovered about fights as much as I hate them. Without them, sometimes we just can't get to the peace that exists on the other side. Sometimes resolution isn't available until the unruly desert prophet comes in and makes us all uncomfortable. Nelson Mandela said, Peace is not just the absence of conflict. Peace is the creation of an environment where all can flourish regardless of race, color, creed, religion, gender, class, caste, or any other social marker of difference. The peace of God always exists, 
not just in the midst of chaos, but on the other side. And sometimes we need to do the hard work of being willing to move through it. And so Jesus promises us, and this is the second week of Advent, that he will give us his peace. But our question is, what are we doing to prepare to receive it? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we confess that we desire to be a peaceable people, but we also confess that we don't want to have that peace at the expense of health and truth and goodness. And so we also ask for the courage to hear the hard words of the prophets in our life, to hear the words of rebuke and to internalize them and to move through the difficult internal work that you called us to. Um, God, we ask that you would continue to prepare our hearts to receive the arrival of, of Christ again, that we would be intentional, that we'd be a listening people, that we'd be a discerning people. And we trust that your spirit is actively mapping us in that trajectory towards you. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. At the conclusion of the preaching portion of worship, I'd like to take time together and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps the Spirit will correct something I have said incorrectly. Perhaps the Spirit will minister something new. So let's listen together. <laughs> 